2: We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. All right. Uh, we talked to John Harper. Uh, Carver High with me. It's Farrell on the bench. 844 843 6879 on a Monday night. I'm watching this game. Mets and Reds, 9 all. Now in the 10th, and the Mets have the runner at third with one out trying to take the lead again from the Reds. They blew it. Diaz blew it. Winker had the single that tied it, and then they couldn't get the run home. So you said that Diaz was the guy that gave up the uh, grand slam to Stallings on Saturday night. That was a grand slam, right, Carver?
3: Yes, it was. So,
2: uh, it's funny. They were scoring all of a sudden tons of runs now, but they can't get anybody out when it matters. But they won the game yesterday 7-6. They were down 6 nothing, And if they can get this runner in, which they just did, uh, now they have the lead again 10-9. Single to center. And Pilar scores. It's 10-9 Mets. But same thing. The, the Reds will get a runner at second in the bottom of the 10th. So, we'll see if Wild they can game. stop them, right?
3: You know, you know what I've noticed too, because I was just looking at this score. You know, because this is a pretty crazy game. You got a 10-9 game going on here. Look at the scores tonight, and and honestly, recently to begin with, thirteen to four game tonight. Red Sox Jays eighteen to one. Nationals Marlins fourteen nothing. Tigers Rangers. What the Nationals Padres the other night twenty two to eight or something like that. Have you noticed yeah. how the last couple of weeks suddenly everybody's scoring a ton of runs again after yeah. the first? After the first two and a half months, there was seven no hitters, and nobody was scoring any runs. And they took all this. You can't tell me this is all just because they took some glue away from these pitchers. I'm sorry, they changed the baseball in the middle of the season. They put the they put they changed the ball again. There's just, there's no way this is all because they took the glue away from the guys. I don't believe it. I so believe that think, these guys changed so the ball, and now they're scoring a ton of runs again. So they made the ball what? heavier it's kind of like right like I, I i think that sometimes they they switch out the balls year to year remember alonzo talked about it like a month ago he was like i think they changed the balls and I, and i think these players are right i think that some years when there's more runs and more homers there's just a different you know whether how the ball's wound whether it's wound tighter whatever it's got more carry when it goes off the bat All of a sudden now, everybody's scoring 10, 15 runs a night. I mean, come on. Nobody could score for two and a half months. They screw around with the baseball. They do. I believe it. fair enough. But I
2: think that, you know, you you double that with the fact that all the pitchers were cheating. uh, That, uh, you know, and so be it, that they all cheated. It's no different than, if they're all using the sticky stuff, then it's no different than everybody using steroids. It's the same thing. If everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. And then uh, they took it away from them and started checking them after they come off the mound. And then all of a sudden, everybody started hitting. Now, I'll give you the – you put the sprinkles on top of the ice cream. I'll give you the – they they've wound the ball tighter or they've changed the balls. I, I'll give you that. But you couple it with cheating, and now you got everybody hitting where they should be hitting, you know. 250, 260 to 300 or, or more instead of everybody hitting 200, 210. We welcome our radio affiliates, Sirius XM, Mightier 1090 in San Diego, Sports Map, Sports Byline, Armed Forces Radio. It's Pharrell on the bench with Carver High tonight. I just think it's coupling them together in concert with one another that they're, you know, the balls are different and they're not able to cheat anymore. And now everybody's hitting. Uh, it evened it out. It. Leveled it out and made everything. uh, Now it's just straight mono a mano. You pitch. uh, If you make contact on this wound ball, uh, good things happen. I think they should, you know, personally, I'm not a fan of the shift at all. I think if they want excitement back in baseball, one of the ways to do it is to get rid of that. Just ban it. Be done with it. What
3: do you think of that? Yeah, no, I, I'm fine with that. And look, I'm not saying—obviously it made some sort of a difference when they didn't allow these guys to screw around with the ball anymore. But this much difference? I mean, people are putting up double digits here. on uh, Multiple teams every night all of a sudden. I just—it I, I, seems so drastic. Like, I just believe—and and you know me. i I never trust Major League Baseball. And I think that I always go for conspiracies with them because I think that they're liars that that Coon Manfred that runs the game, all that. I could see him just at, in the middle of the season just being like, we got to change the ball. Everybody's crying. There's not enough runs. Nobody's watching. Change the ball.
2: Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not even blinking when you're saying it. I don't put anything past them. I put nothing past baseball. I mean, are you kidding me? And, you know, I don't think, you know, watching the draft when fans are booing Manfred, that's that's another day at the office. That's that's inevitable in every sport. They boo the commissioners. But I legitimately think that, without a doubt, that players do not like him. I just, there's, there's a disconnect in baseball for sure from the front office of baseball and the field. The players don't like him. I don't. I don't think they respect him at all. Without a doubt, you hear players all the time basically mocking him. It's him on
0: Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling.
2: So in Arkansas, just over 40% of the population age 12 and up is fully vaccinated. Over the past seven days, the state has reported an average of more than 191 new cases per 100,000 people, the second highest rate in the country. The upswing in cases and hospitalizations in the U.S. has been more pronounced in the areas with lower rates of vaccination against COVID-19. About 48% of the U.S. population is fully vaccinated against the coronavirus according to the CDC and more than 55% have received at least one dose, but vaccination rates vary by age group and region. According to the CDC's latest report, 38% of people age 18 to 29 have received at least one dose, the lowest rate of any age group eligible to get immunized. So 38% of 18 to 29 year olds, the elderly had the highest rate at 80% uh, had the vaccinations over the summer. The number of shots being administered has uh, dropped significantly, falling from more than 3 million doses a day in the spring to an average of 270,000 and change uh, by last week. And it, the vaccination campaign has stalled. Public health officials, community organizations, churches, businesses, schools, and other groups of have decided to encourage hesitant or undecided Americans to get vaccinated and to reach those in rural communities. The push has become more urgent in recent days. Unvaccinated Americans make up a large majority of the current hospitalized COVID-19 Delta um, sicknesses. So the bottom line is, with a higher proportion of older populations fully vaccinated and a more transmissible variant circulating, many hospitalized patients are younger and sicker than what doctors saw previously. Um, they're younger and they're sicker they're younger and sicker and largely unvaccinated. Between 5% and 8% of current patients were fully vaccinated, so very few. 90% of patients being treated in ICU are on ventilators compared to 50% during other periods of the pandemic. Uh, it's it, it truly is unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. And you wonder... Uh, you know, I'm telling you, we talked about it today on Coast to Coast. It was about, uh, the conversation was about the SEC, college football. Were you surprised, Carver High, that they said, we're not going to make up COVID games missed. If if a team has a COVID outbreak, can't play the game, that's game's over. They're not, <laughs> that's your problem, and we're not rescheduling the games. Uh, do you think that's a a bad idea.
3: Whew. Is it a bad idea? Well, they're in a different situation this year. They don't have all these weeks built in at the end for makeup games and um, things like that. They're going on their regular, normal, every year college football schedule. Um, I, I, I don't know. I guess it gets into that debate where you're going to punish teams. Clearly, whose kids don't enough of them don't get it. And some people will fight you back and saying, Well, that's all right. And Greg Sankey and the SEC are gonna say, Well, we don't really care. You just lost. You lose. You know that that that's kind of where it's at right now. But it certainly seems like they've said with without kind of saying it, you're gonna lose your game if you don't have enough people to play and it's your players that are better sick. That's your problem. And the other team you gets away.
2: Well, there's some schools like in the Big Ten, I think uh, Maryland for sure, Indiana, like uh, uh, apparently a federal judge ruled uh, that uh, the vaccine requirement at IU should stand. In other words, you don't go to school unless you're vaccinated. If you're in college at at IU or at uh, Maryland, you have to be vaccinated. They won't even let you on the campus. Do you think they should be doing that
3: everywhere? I do. I do. I wouldn't have a problem if they did it, and I can understand the absolute war they're starting if they do it. Uh, like you said, I I I think that they probably should at this point. Uh, there's a lot of these teams in the SEC, especially that they said aren't even at the fifty or sixty percent range yet in terms of the amount of kids that have it. Wow, man, that's 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 going to gonna cause a fight, that's for sure. If they tell you that you have to have it to go to the school.
2: So I am looking at a story right now that uh you know th- that like uh athletes cardboard beds weren't designed to prevent sex. Uh this yes. is like they're
1: this is at the Olympics.
2: Yeah, they're in the the you know the covid's already hit the village and uh there's positive tests galore and U.S. track and field uh, team members started the rumor that the cardboard bed frames are too weak to uh, support sex. So that became an issue. But I don't think it's because of that. Like, do you really think that's what it is? I, I think it's uh, I mean, that might be the case, but I, I think people don't want to go in that village to begin with because of the covid.
3: Well, I know that in the past there's you've heard all these stories, you know, with the Olympics that basically the Olympic village is is, you know, um, you know, can double as an orgy. You know, the, what the, everything that goes on at right. those places every year, every two years at the Olympics. So I think they know you have a lot of young uh, people that want to get together after their events, and because of the current health situation in the world, they're going to try to do whatever they can to prevent that. At least that's what it sounds like with their bed idea here.
2: Wow, I, I'm going to have to send you that story, the sex beds at the Olympics. That oh,
3: I, <laughs> They made them out of
2: cardboard so that they wouldn't have sex at the Olympics. In the let Olympic me just Village. tell you something.
3: Let me ask you this. Do you think that the kind of bed that they give these people is going to stop them if they want to go ahead and get, take care of business? You think the bed's going to stop them? Like, honestly, like, I mean, they'll roll themselves on the floor, right? I mean, what's the problem here? You think that a bed's going to stop them? You know, somebody from uh, Norway no. and somebody from Ireland no. getting together at, in the Olympic Village. I mean, please. They might have
2: bathroom sessions. They might have stand up sessions against a wall. Oh. I saw that on Sex Life. The guy, that guy that all those girls want, all the women want him. Uh, the Australian guy in that show, they all want him. My wife wants him. Everybody wants him. He, I mean, he was. Doing it with this chick everywhere, standing up. It didn't matter. Beds, who needs a bed? That guy, he, one time he he like had a session in the subway, down in the subway tracks, literally on the tracks, while the train was going by. And they had like one inch before they'd be killed, and he was still having a, a session. Guy was incredible. What a performer, <laughs> this guy. I would never get down there. I'd have a problem with that. Honestly. Redstone. So up. uh I wanna I wanna get into this now. What do you think of uh Peyton and Eli Manning?
3: Oh, we need to come new... back and do this because we only have a minute gonna, left. I got we, we I've got time, a man. lot. The, the a mega lot. cast. They've got a lot to say about that. So we'll have to do that when we come back
2: because So you know the deal. They're gonna oh, do for three I know the deal years, they're gonna do thirty games. Thirty ten games a year they're doing mega yeah. casts on Monday night football, right? Oh yeah, and so uh, they're doing ten of the games per year for th- uh, three years. So there you go. Peyton and Eli Manning are going to do Monday Night Football on ESPN two, when the other the the regular channel
3: is where the game is, right? And we've got we've got less than a minute left. So I'll just tell you right now what the what, and I'll just throw you this question, and we'll answer when we come back. Who do you think what? How many people do you think are going to watch those thirty games? On the alternate channel and listen to Peyton and Eli yuck it up with each other and their buddies, as opposed to listening to Levy, Riddick, and Greasy over on the regular channel. How many people, what do you think? You think more people are going to tune into Peyton and Eli yucking it up with their buddies? Because I do. I I do, without a doubt.
2: They're going to put those other three out of business. By the time they're done with those three years, they're going to be doing it full-time on ESPN, and those three will be fired. How's that for an answer? Greasy. <laughs> Come on, they have no chance against the Mannings. It's already a done deal.
0: Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from sling, the collide of football pads, the squeak of shoes on a basketball court.
2: All right, for all on the bench. So, uh, your boys, the Mannings. Who, by the way, the other one, uh, the kid, the high school kid's coming into college football next year, right? And they're saying that he's better than all of them, better than Grandpa, better than e- well, Eli, better than
3: Peyton. Wow, well, they say that about every new one. Now they're the better. They're better than the one before. You know, everybody's always the best. You know, let's. I got Let's let the kid play. I know oh, they want to so, pump him up. They want to pump the kid up. That's a lot but, to up I mean, up the to. kid played in,
2: like, he played in Texas, right, in high school? Yeah. Well, what I'm hearing is, is that he broke every record ever. So, he broke all of Peyton and Eli's high school records. He crushed them, all of his numbers. And then he didn't grow up playing there. So, I mean, let's face facts. I mean, at some point, you know, Texas and... California and Florida they have they have the best high school football right i mean i know everybody thinks that where they live you have great high school football cuz you go to the game off on friday night but i'm here to tell you you know it's just not that the case the the majority of these players that play at these major schools you know as well as i do carver high they're coming from florida and texas and california the number those are the those are the three hotbeds that's all there is to it. And I'm sure there's other places where there's good football. There's no denying that. Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey. There's all kinds of, of good football all over the place. But it's not better than where uh, I said. That's it. It's Florida, Texas, and California. That's all there is to it. And uh, you know that's that's dead accurate. Take a look at all the biggest schools where all the kids are from, where all the players are from. and. Look, uh, anyway, the kid's supposed to be phenomenal. But here's the deal: my point is, is that all of them were were good in some capacity. Uh, all of oh, them yeah. did very well. The grandpa, you know, Archie, and and we know what Peyton did. We know what Eli did twice to Brady in the Super Bowl. So there's no getting around the family's lineage and their success. And we already know how funny Peyton Manning is. He's great at you know television. That's all there is to it, and it's funny because they wanted him to uh, do Monday Night Football before, and he wouldn't do it. Right, right,
3: like the main analyst job that currently Greasy and Riddick right. do. Like sit there. They wanted and, and him talk to be. The
2: they wanted him to be the man, and uh, he turned them down. And then he's turned down every job offer he's gotten. Oh yeah, he's, do- he's done. He's done his own thing. He's done all this detail stuff. He's done all these. Uh, endorsement commercials for nationwide and whatever else he does everything. He, he does whatever he wants, and,
3: and he does then, the do- the dopey show on ESPN Plus where he, you know interviews people and he goes right. you know they a lot of personality doing all that. Right.
2: But I listen, and I could be wrong because I I know Eli. I've interviewed him, and I told you many times. I literally, I mean, this guy was as vanilla as ice cream. But but I yeah. Mean, he well, had the personality, personality out of too. a garage
3: door. But he went—that's because when he was doing that, he was doing the whole Derek Jeter school of, of athlete yeah. public relations, especially being in New York. I mean, he basically took it out of the Jeter playbook. I'm never going to give you anything. I'm never going to tell you anything about myself. I'm just going to go out there and aw shucks and win football games and win championships, and that's what he did. But I got to tell you, since he's retired— like he's done like a couple of commercials, and he's done like a couple of funny things on Twitter. Like he's kind of like Peyton. Like he does have, some, and like it's funnier because you're used to him being so boring and so dry. That now that like he's given you a lot of personality, like he's actually kind of funny. So you're
2: saying that it's all been a front, and that when he does this, it's all going to come out, and he's going to be funny, and and he's going to be a uh, personality. One thousand percent. I think that he's okay. The, I, well, I think look. I think the two of them together when they did the commercial where they were giving each other wet willies and beating each other and everything else. (laughs) If it's anything like that, um, honestly, the other one, uh, who is the, oh, it's Levy, Louis Riddick, Riddick and and Brian Greasy. Greasy. And uh, listen, I like Steve Levy. He loves hockey, right? Uh, Fair, Unless I'm mistaken,
3: right? Yes, he's a big hockey guy. He's going to be part of their hockey Yes.
2: Well, so I like him a lot. I think he's a great guy. I always got along with him when I was there at ESPN. Uh, he's always been cool to me, so I got nothing bad to say about him. But I do think that uh, Eli Manning and Peyton Manning will destroy those three. Destroy them.
3: Well, yeah. And and, and here's where ESPN is setting themselves up. You know, like like this is going to be 30 games over, you know, 10 a year over the next three years. And it's going to be very different. And, and I think that people, at least, and especially younger people, I think are going to enjoy it. Because it's not going to be your traditional two or three guys in the booth, you know, breaking down football and giving you the play-by-play. Like, if you want that kind of structured, standard football announcing, like, that's going to be there for you on regular ESPN. And then on this other channel, you're going to be able to watch the game. And while you're watching the game, you're not going to be getting the traditional play-by-player analysis, but you're going to get Eli and Peyton like hanging around on a couch, talking to a different buddy every week, and they're just going to be BSing and talking about the game and talking about the little nuances of players out there. Because these guys aren't that far removed. They still played with a good number of guys that are still in the league. They're going to be able to give you a very different insight, and people are going to gravitate to it, and people are going to gravitate to their personality to the point where that's going to get more attention than their main crew that's on Big e, that's on the regular game. When I
2: used to do the uh, Thrashers games, um, here's the Mets scoring again and lighting up uh, the Reds. 11-10 now with runners at the corners with one out in the 11th. 11-10 Mets. So when I did the games, um, I did them. I, did, I called the game, right? And I was, you know, I just called the game, you know, lit and rowdy. And then when, it, when they were in a whistle or a timeout or a TV timeout or just in a dead, dead point of the game, I joked around a lot. And I made fun of my uh, analyst. I, I joked about everything. I joked about people in the crowd. I, I talked about hot chicks and where they were seated. <laughs> I did everything insane when I did a game play-by-play in the NHL. And none of them, no one could handle it. No one at the league, no one at the Thrashers, no one in uh, the the other announcers, they didn't know what to think of me. They were scared to death of me, and they thought, what is going on here? This is out of control. We've got to stop this. This is This is bad for business. We cannot have this animal in the booth being crazy and having fun and being entertaining. We just can't have it. And so they got rid of me. And that was all there was to it. Um, but I guarantee it, millions of fans loved it. And I've told you this story before. If I suck so bad, then how come every time you heard uh, on national radio, they would at stations all over the country would play the clips of me doing fake fights, and they would play the clips of me calling goals, and uh, they would play the clips of me singing in the booth. and And the Thrashers never won a game. Why did they do that? How come my clips constantly, I had, I had stations constantly and hosts telling me, we run the clips of you calling the game. And I mean, it was endless. When I was doing it, the, the funny thing was is that I, it, became a, it became like a thing where I would do the game and then the next day all these stations would carry the clips of me doing this crazy stuff. And they'd be like, listen to this lunatic. And I'd do fake fights and and I'd make the fight uh, more than it was or, you know, because I was on radio. I wasn't on TV. And so I was I would turn the fight into like a five minute fight. The game would be going on and I'd be doing a fight still. And the fight had long since been over, but I turned it into like a five minute bloodbath. And I was saying that guys eyeballs were on the ice and that got all the wives mad. The players wives hated me because they thought their husbands were losing eyeballs and things of this nature. Teeth were on the on the ice, blood everywhere, like the Exxon Valdez, and it got me in all. I was in trouble every time I called a game. I was in trouble. Like the next day, I was always in the principal's office every day. Every day, I ended up in uh, Derek Schiller and um, and Don Waddell yelling at me. And the funny thing is, Carver High, that's exactly what they're going to do with Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. They're going to let those two clowns call a game. With all their best friends, and they're gonna goof around, and they're gonna get crazy, and people are gonna love it. It's no different than like McAfee having all those dudes on his show. It's no different than the more the merrier. The more the merrier. it's the morning zoo. They got the whole fifteen people on the show.
3: Every see how many funny bits. people we can put in the room. Zany radio bits.
2: You know what I mean, like. I think all those shows are great. McAfee's got funny people on, all kinds of great people. Dan Patrick's got like 12 people on the show. Like I'm all for it, right? I love all that. I was doing that in the booth, calling games, and my analyst thought I was insane, and he was narking on me all day. He was the number one narc. When I did mornings in New York, and I was crazy, and I was lit, and I was drunk, or whatever, uh, the the producer was narking me out. Every day, he narked me out to the bosses. That's all he did was he was a a full-time narc. Guy became the head of CBS years later. He was so good at being a narc, he became the president of the company. Uh, I'm friends with him to this day, but they've always... People can't handle entertaining. They can't handle it. But now that's what they're going to do on Monday Night Football. And it's
0: going to succeed.
2: for on the bench. Uh Pillar just hit a, a three-run homer. It's 14-10 now Mets in the 11th a, with two outs blast. and they're going to win this game.
3: That was a big fly.
2: That was a big one. Like, but did you hear uh what I said to you before was look, um it, it, the booths. First of all, when it was when it was Howard Cosell and and Gifford and and Danny Don Meredith, it was entertaining as hell. You had one guy singing songs. Another guy was a straight football guy. And the, and the other one was a, a genius. There's another home run for the Mets. It's 15-10. They're just hitting bombs left and right. The Reds have Ball imploded Conforto. Ball's juice. Jimi Hendrix giving up
3: back-to-back bombs. That's a tough outing for Jimi Hendrix right there. I mean, two <laughs> two big flies. The guy threw four pitches. Two of them went about 600 feet. Excuse me <laughs>
2: while I kiss the sky. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Anyway, uh, um, so the booth then was super entertaining. Super entertaining. They have been chasing the dragon ever since. They have been chasing the dragon ever since. I repeat. That's how bad the Monday Night Football has been over the years. Um, I do not like. I'm friends with uh, Joe Buck. We're not best friends, but I know him. He knows me. We're cool. I think he's a super talented guy for sure. I like him. Uh, I think. I think he's a great uh, announcer, and I think Aikman's uh, you know a, a good football analyst. There's no doubt about it. But I'm telling you, it's not that entertaining. It's just a really good, you know, play-by-play guy with a really good analyst. I won't deny that they're great, right? But it's not that entertaining. It's just a good call of a game, right? Fair enough. Right. Um, Nance and Romo are the same thing. One guy's a brilliant play-by-play guy, and the other guy's a, a great analyst. Fair enough. They pay him way too much money, if you ask me. I mean it. I don't think he's worth a million a game. I really don't. Um, Because guess what? He used to call all the plays, and now that doesn't work anymore. Have you noticed? That caught up with him where he thought he could call all the plays before it happens. And then last year, every time he did it, he was wrong. Okay, because he'd he'd predict the plays in in sequence. That
3: act act got old fast. That act got old really quick. So here's the
2: deal. (laughs) They're not entertaining. Okay? Then, um, you know, uh, you can look – you know, honestly, I already said all these shows have all these funny people on them. They're great. There's no doubt. McAfee, Dan Patter, they're great. They're great shows. I believe that. I really do. I support anyone. I used to work with Bubba, and he the, the funniest show I ever heard. Uh, those guys were hilarious. Um, O&A, great show. Tons of funny bits, violence, people getting hurt. It was great. And... I'm I'm all for that. Like, I like funny, entertaining shows. Elvis Duran, he's got like nine people in the room doing the show with him. I mean, Christ, somebody's bound to be funny. You got nine people in the room, and I think that show's awesome, right? They got a ton of people that are funny, and they have a good time, and it's number one in syndication all the rest. I get it. But I'm telling you that people want to be entertained. That's it. They want to be entertained. No, I don't need the straight butter. I don't need just the straight serious call of the game. Is there anything worse? I mean, baseball is boring enough, and then the announcers are terrible. They're so boring. There's nothing better than funny guys in the booth that can start making fun of stuff and cracking jokes and telling good stories and talking about food and everything else and problems they're having. I got... The hiccups, I got burps or whatever, I got gas, anything, anything, if it's entertaining, right? I am telling you that Peyton and Eli will be entertaining no matter what. And that mega cast with all their friends and famous people coming on there, it'll be no different than uh, when Wrigley Field, they had a different person uh, going in there and singing the seventh inning stretch every day and they had celebrities doing it. People want to be entertained. They want to see the next famous Person singing the song, see if they're any good, make fun of them, whatever. And then and you can't tell me, Carver High, that I'm sorry. I, I've yet to I've yet to find broadcasts that are actually entertaining and funny to, to listen to while you're watching a sporting event. And the the world of sports has always just given us meat and potatoes. The announcer calls the game. Marv Albert calls the game for 40, 50 years. Everybody, when he retires, talks about how great he is. And then, But when he did it with Fratello, it was funny. It was funny. And nice. I don't find uh, Jeff Van Gundy as funny as everybody else does. Everybody thinks he's so funny. And Mark Jackson's this wacko religious nut. Am I wrong? No. And then they got uh, Breen, who's the great play-by-play guy, calling it. Listen, I am telling you, (laughs) without a doubt, if there's one thing I've done in 40 years of doing this, it's that people want to be entertained no matter what. They listen the longest. If, If a show's on for four hours and it's super funny, people will listen and gravitate toward that and listen for, you know, two and a half, three and a half hours. If the show is funny back in the day when Howard did the show on terrestrial radio, people listened because they wanted to see what he would say next. Right. They listened to the whole four hours, five hours, however long he was on the air. They kept listening. They never turned it off because it was crazy and it was entertaining and it was wild. And they had the perfect mix of people in there doing it with him from Robin to Gary to, you know, everybody, whether it was Artie, whether it was Melendez, I mean, all of them, Jackie, I mean, Fred, everybody. You know what I'm saying, Carver High?
3: No, I know what you're saying.
2: I'm telling you, most of these broadcasters that do games, I'm sorry, they're talented. Oh, it's, it's, there's no doubt they're talented,
3: but they're boring.
2: Of course. It's boring.
3: Because that's what you've been conditioned, and they think that every, you know, the majority of people want is they're there to watch, they're there to watch the game. And uh, you got you know no, this person's not. gonna this person's gonna tell you uh, what's happening in the game with the play by play, and then this other person with the jacket is gonna tell you um, break down what happens in between the and, plays, and that and they're that. wrong. Well, you're right. Things have times have changed, and the the way things were done for forty or fifty years. You're right. I think that they could eventually evolve. And when you start getting into these things where you're doing mega megacast, and they've done it the last few years. Uh, on ESPN with that college, college. Uh, football national championship game. And I will tell you right here, I have, for the last three or four years, it's I have better. always, I've always watched the mega cast. I always have. I've never watched, this is nothing against um, Herb Street, uh, you know, and Fowler, it's nothing Fowler. against them. They do a They're great good. job, but I, I was more entertained and enjoyed the game more listening to, to the five college coaches in there breaking it down and like going through like that's right. and some of them had some personality and there was a little bit more off the cuff than when you normally see them at a podium after they win or lose it like was more it was looser, and that's what you're going to get with this and they have an opportunity cuz they're going to do it so much it's not a one off if you do it once and it's once a year and you do it people will think it's cool but within 2 or 3 weeks they're going to forget about it you do it 10 games that's listen. I mean, that's more than half the season. You're going to do it every week. By the fourth or fifth week, they're doing it. If people start to catch on, then everybody starts talking about it. And then you know what eventually happens? Everybody's tuning in Monday night to Peyton and Eli riffing with their with their friends and and talking about slinging the pigskin and and there and you who would you rather listen? Breakdown. You know, Aaron Rodgers playing. You know, Tom Brady on a Monday night football game. Would you rather listen? Another against Riddick and Greasy. But I'm gonna go listen to Peyton and Eli talk about what Aaron Rodgers and Brady are doing during the game than those guys. Because, because uh, not only is it, are they gonna be? They're gonna give you something you're not gonna hear on the other network. They're also gonna have a laugh, and Peyton's gonna tell some dopey story about how him and Tom right. played because, golf, you know, in Sarasota one night. Like he's gonna, he, they're gonna give you a little extra more because they're they're going for entertainment. Because they, those two can't
2: hold uh, Peyton Manning's DK. I'm talking about your boy, the soccer player. They cannot even compare to him analyzing a game or being entertaining. Let me tell you something. The last guy that was, uh, you have to be, I I believe you have to be um, smart and know the game if you're going to be a Weisenheimer. And the last guy that did it, besides myself, that was crazy in the booth, was Harry Carey. And he was brilliant about baseball. There's no getting around that, that he knew the game. But he, I mean, all of the years in Chicago with the White Sox and the Cubs, he was drunk. That was it. I mean, he was drunk. And he was fun as all hell.
3: I know, but he that was kind great, of correlates to he, what he was you did. Greatest. Because you were drunk when you did the Thrasher games, too.
2: So I mean, you, I drank. I drank. I know, not every I, night.
3: But there I, were some nights where you did.
2: I definitely always drank a gigantic beer before the game, and uh, nothing during the game. But I drank a big one when I went up there a- into the press box, and they didn't like that, and that really upset them. But that's what got me, uh, you know, loose and ready to go was a cold beer. And I'm a big boy, and I when you I drank, I could drink twenty five beers. Okay, so like one beer does nothing to me, nothing no. at all. I couldn't. I, I could drink a a 60-ounce beer right now, and I could drive, I could operate heavy machinery, I could give birth to a baby in the back of a cab but with a it, woman I don't even you know. Up. I could it do anything on a beer. Don't but even tell me, you, of all people, the biggest beer drinker but, I know, but, that but you could I'm drink is, a six-pack and course, still, like, I could drink 30 beers in golf for 36 holes. Is,
3: it loosens you up. Yeah. Even though you weren't it just drunk. Just made me ready to it go. Loose, it loosened you up more and made you a little more loose before you went. I'm telling
2: you, it's going to be the end of. Here's what's going to happen. I promise you, they're going to kill them in the ratings, and they're going to have a problem on their hands when the deuce, which no one watches, is killing the main broadcast, which is where all their sponsors are and where. The game is on in a, the the same format that everybody's been watching for the last 50 years. They want to watch the game, call the game. It is what it is. But when the fun cast starts and the fun cast is kicking its ass and, and absolutely destroying it, you'll see what happens. They'll end up firing all those dudes, and, and they'll give the job to Peyton and Eli, and that'll be it. And then they'll never do Monday Night Football the same again. They'll never do it. I truly believe it is the future And it's going to happen right before your very eyes. And they're starting it this year? This year. Oh, they're doomed. Those guys, you know what they should do? Ask for a raise now before they get fired. Because that's what's going to happen. First of all, they've changed the Monday night booth 50 times. So that's the worst job in sports. You think it's the best job in sports when you get it until you don't have it a year later because they've changed it so much. They've changed that. Ju- like Booger McFarland could even pick his boogers before they fired him. Right? Like they changed with the wind. But let me tell you what's going to happen to those. Two. You can see the writings on the wall already. When we do the story, like we said today that they were doing it, we should have said we should have prefaced it by saying Peyton Manning and Eli Manning are taking over Monday Night Football in three years. That's what they're doing because this is the beginning of the end for the normal Monday Night Football. Know that. I firmly believe that without a doubt. And then watch this. Every network, every single one of them, all the networks are gonna start doing a mega cast and try to get the funniest people they know to do it. They're all gonna copycat them.
0: Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court.
2: So the Diamondbacks lead the Pirates in the bottom of the sixth, four-nothing. They got runners on the corners with two outs. Giants lead the Dodgers three to two in the top of the fourth. And um they've got runners on the corners with two outs. That Mets lead is fifteen eleven. The Reds have runners on second and third with two outs. And, and, and your boy they
3: struck out game <laughs> over. Mets win. Right before that, your boy Castellanos. He hit one right to the wall with two on. I mean, it was all. It was about a half a foot away from being fifteen fourteen. He hit it all the way to the track. Twins
2: won game one of the doubleheader, and the White Sox won game two, five three. Twins three two in the game uh, one. Nationals eighteen to one all over the Marlins. The Orioles upset the Rays six one. There's a, t- a ticket killer. Uh, Tigers 14-0 over the Rangers hit that. Cardinals over the Cubs hit that. Astros over the Indians hit that. Uh, The uh, Padres Braves was washed. So the only games going on right now, I gave you, oh, A's 3-0 over the Angels. That's in the eighth, top of the eighth, runner on first, nobody out. Red Sox beat the Jays 13-4. So Mets win 15-11. Giants up 3-2 in the Dodgers in the fourth at Chavez Ravine. And the Diamondbacks lead the lowly Pirates. Both of those teams suck for nothing. You talk about a game uh, to not watch and go to bed early and get a good night's sleep. That would be the Pirates and Diamondback game. If you live in the Valley and you're watching that game right now, what you should do is go to bed uh, and stay up late tomorrow night and watch your sons lose to the Bucks. Get some sleep tonight. You're going to need it tomorrow because losing sucks. And you're going to be up late. You're going to be miserable and you're going to have nightmares. Chris Ball is going to have nightmares. I'll see you tomorrow at 4 Eastern on Coast to Coast on Sports Grid and on Sirius XM Channel 204, Mightier 1090 in San Diego. Sports map and sports byline. Good night.